It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. In a week where we Earthlings received the first pictures back from Saturn, they were actually quite dull, but at least we now know where Danny Drinkwater is. Also, a week where Newcastle fans can finally start to wonder whether Project Zebra is real or just Project Mule that leaned on a painted fence. A mule with a truly awful human rights record that funded Al-Qaeda, murdered a journalist and pissed off Amnesty International. (laughs) Last night, because I was staying with you, Chris, obviously you know that, Mm. Um, but watching the Nations League semi-final between Spain and um, Italy. Yes. And I somehow had missed this during the Euros, but the the ball... Was delivered, <laughs> was delivered to the centre spot on a tiny remote controlled it car. It wasn't that tiny though, was it? It was well, like it was almost knee high. Yeah, it was. It was. It was relatively big, but yeah. it was. Did you just think what? Who who thinks that that makes the game of football better <laughs> to have room? And also the chances of it going wrong are really oh, high, must, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they must, must have be. all been in mission control, going slapping each other and doing high yeah. fives when it actually reached the centre. Or spot. there was a tiny little stig in there. Tiny little stick. <laughs> yes, tiny. Yes. Someone who knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes, you know. Yeah. And yeah, just think for how big that car is, how big the grass must have seemed yeah. you know, to the car. Yes, it it's, it's plunging the giants. It isn't must it? have been like driving through a cornfield. Yeah. You know, for, for the ball, it's quite an adventure for the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the ball has, has, in recent years anyway, been quite static at the start of the game on, on a little on a little plinth yeah, yeah. for, for worshipping purposes. That's right, yes. But it hasn't had that little adventure. Yes, yeah. I wonder if, the, if there's, uh, there are. Sort of well-known plinth manufacturers that Eufa have, uh, yeah. and, then and then they're looking at the, the football last night. Saying, what? What's this? 
I, pre- I presume. By we're, the- out, we're out of business. Yeah. I presume because it, it does look ridiculous. And, and they're also, in the World Cup final, they sometimes put the trophy there, don't they? Yeah, well, or, or, when, or, um, when Zidane, Zidane was, was sent, sent off, off. you had to yeah. walk off past it. But, and you? I was imagining that this must be an innovation that they, that they had ages ago, but they had to wait for Gaza to retire. Because <laughs> the idea of Gaza walking past either the ball or a World Cup without doing something, something with to it. it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, walking past a plinth of yeah. any kind. Without... Yeah, yeah. But I was also thinking, uh, just very quickly, on, on the car thing, that, that uh, you know, it, it doesn't get enough use. And I was thinking that what they should have <laughs> is a yellow car and yeah. a red car. And when he comes to sort of challenge somebody for a bad foul, the crowd aren't sure if the yellow car or the red car is going to come and on. And if the red car comes on, it's slightly, it's slightly bigger yeah. and carries the guy carries off. Carries the guy off, sends yeah. him off. And it's yeah, a red yeah, car yeah. offence. It's a red car offence. A yellow car offence <laughs> and a red car offence. And there's a tongue twister. Yeah, watch this space because they will go for that. <laughs> anyway, before we gaze longingly at the glittering gewgaws that have caught our eye in the high-end jewellers of the Premier League, first a quick visit to the 99p store of dreams that is the very bottom of EFL2. Exciting news, Nick. Go on. Oldham Athletic managed to claw their way up and off the very bottom rung at the weekend. Yes. But I thought they lost. Yeah, on goal difference, by virtue of only losing 2-1 to Harrogate Town. So who's bottom? Scunthorpe lost Ah. by three. So it feels like a win. Or at least as close to a win as we're likely to get at home these days. (laughs) Because in other exciting news, I found a league table that Oldham are actually top of. And no, not just the normal league table that's printed upside down, because Scunthorpe are top of that. No, it's a table of all the current 92 clubs arranged in order of the very worst home records going back to 2008. And at the start of the season, accumulating. And at the start of the season, Sunderland were top of this one, which is a bit odd. Because you kind of think of them as having been... Because they've had a couple of seasons up at the top end of League One. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, during that time, we've been steadily catching them up. And they've started this season with six straight wins, Ooh. while Oldham really haven't. Yeah. And that's enough, apparently, for us to unseat them up there. I, it won't be long before we have a song about that, I reckon. No, I just love that. What, your, what newspaper do you get that has all these tables in? Because <laughs> you've always got a table every week yeah. where Oldham is near the top. Yeah, well, I, I just Google Oldham top of table, and just for nostalgia's sake... <laughs> I get, if I can find anything but, in the last 30 years, then I feel like I've had a result. Or, or the other thing that would happen is that they would be top of the table and it would be like some Richard Curtis film oh, where yeah, yeah. all that time had passed and suddenly you awoke in a world where Oldham yeah. were top. One day. One, one day that will happen. Yeah. I mean, it's a real shame, the home uh, home record thing, because Boundary Park used to be such a fortress back in when I was first watching Oldham. And teams hated coming there because it was reputedly the coldest ground in the country. Joe Royal nicknamed it Ice Station Zebra, if you remember. Oh, did he? Yeah, <laughs> and the corner flanks used to famously used to fly in four different directions, which is what would normally happen in a tornado. <laughs> and opposition teams used to hate the plastic pitch that we used to have yep. claimed it gave us an unfair advantage and we used to love attacking in the second half yep. down our famous sloping pitch yeah, yeah. which is sadly no I, I, more and can I say I think you've, you've missed out one of the elements that may have made it difficult to visit oh, yeah. you had some good players we had some good players you see <laughs> yes, exactly. yeah. but now Oldham's officially the most welcoming club in the country <laughs> in terms of points per game anyway not in terms of serving beer to the home fans because the clown owner is paranoid about <laughs> fueling protests as if the results on the pitch aren't enough for that and not in terms of the searches on the way through the turnstiles either as a much more vigorous approach has been introduced oh, recently oh yeah not, not the just the cursory pat down for pot bottles by a teenager yeah. doing his 50p an hour Saturday job 
in return for being allowed to stand with his back to the pitch for the whole game, which is actually more of a bonus than it sounds this season, because the owner is worried about a repeat of the tennis ball protest from earlier in the season. And you wouldn't want that job, would you? <laughs> you know, patting people down no, for tennis balls. No. Because where are people going to hide tennis balls? Yes, excuse I, me, sir. And also, it's like, <laughs> sir, we're going to have to throw you. Excuse me, I've got testicular cancer. Yes, exactly. Is that, no, 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 that's me. Oh, ah, no. okay then, respect. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, it's going to be fantastic to be able to say, Boundary Park, the place to come for away teams, where everybody gets a going home present. Gets <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a bit of a fondle. Yeah. A bit of a, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on to, on to the world of proper football, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, more and more, it seems to me that the, the narrative of the Premier League is that these big games, like Liverpool, Man City at the weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're, they're portrayed as and you know however great the players are but they're portrayed as a head-to-head mind game contest between iconic managers the geniuses who are really pulling the strings Guardiola versus Klopp yeah, yeah. and Tuchel versus and this weekend just gone we had Liverpool Man City uh, a week after Chelsea Man City and there's a feeling that these games mark the beginning of the actual contest for the league yes. title after the shadow boxing and fitness building that's gone so far yeah now this week the Telegraph managed on the this this is another table <laughs> on the same page to have a graphic showing that the points gap covering the top six is the smallest ever after seven games. Yes. I don't know where they find that. Yeah. Go through lots of Rothman's football yearbooks with a, a pencil and a pad. Yeah, well, when they say ever, obviously they mean <laughs> they, since well, Yes, the, exactly. I yeah. mean, in the history of the Premiership, of course, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, ever yeah, in football yeah, now. Yeah. And the absolute concrete assertion that the current top four will be the top four at the end of the season. It's just a matter of what order. On the same page as saying that it's, it's as cl- they're, yes, as, they're yes. as close yeah. to the rest yeah. as they've ever been, yeah. but this is definitely I, the top it, four. It, it basically said, because I had a look at that, it basically said, you know, nobody can predict what's going to happen this season, but here are our oh, predictions. But, but here, is, here, here we are predicting <laughs> and we're that all nothing predict- will change, change exactly. from now until the end <laughs> yeah. of the season. And all of as, 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 the interesting thing about the top four, because the top four is Chelsea, Liverpool, City, Man United. United. Yeah. The interesting thing is all the of their expert pundits were writing off Man United, even though they have Ronaldo and they have Pogba and they have Fernandes and they have Sancho and they have Rashford and they have Greenwood. And why? Because they don't have a genius tactician in charge. They have Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who no one thinks is quite up to it. Yeah. And it's and it's because everything is now wrapped up in the contests between these iconic these iconic uh, managers. Yes. Guardiola, of course, is the archetypal yes. genius. And for some reason, Man City were given a points victory by the judges after Sunday's big game. And I watched that game. It was a terrific game. It was a great one. Terrific game. game. A and a draw, I thought, just about fair result. But Liverpool could have won it. They were ahead with 10 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been a steal, I don't think. But no, Pep came out on top, apparently. And certainly he won the tantrum contest, didn't he? He did, he definitely As we won were that. treated to a full-on performance he, of his trademark yeah. injustice pantomime, ripping yeah. his layers off, waving his arms about, kicking stuff. I loved, uh, do you see this? I'm, uh, Mike Dean, the fourth official, is a completely deadpan reaction yes. to Pemp, Pep uh, ranting and stomping about. Yes. And you didn't have to be much, did you, of a lip reader? To see him going, calm down, calm down. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure he did it in the, the accent. But oh, he, he must have done. <laughs> which is the most provocatively scouse thing he could possibly say. Which is top work. I don't really, yeah, not a lot of time for Mike Dean, generally speaking. But calm down, oh, calm yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good effort from the boy. Effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, in, in a way, Guardiola had a point. You know, Milner should have gone off. I think. But yeah. I do like Milner. He's like he's made of rock. Oh yes, and also, like... you know, and also, I remember 
that he was the youngest Premier League player for many, many, many. Well, years. he was the youngest scorer, I think, um, oh. and took over from he, he scored Ro- from Rooney. Rooney did he, had just, did he? yeah, I think so. Oh, I thought he played before Rooney. No, I think they're contemporary, and and no. Milner's just like there'll the be, younger. There'll be a table. There'll be a table Some, somewhere. There'll yeah, be exactly. a table. Just on the subject of Solskjaer, I mean, I think the thing about Solskjaer is that he does lots of interviews, but he's quite quiet and doesn't seem very confident, which mm. is why he can't be one of the big hitters. Whereas Guardiola and Klopp talk a lot, and Tuchel, it seems, doesn't talk at all. Well, the experts love Tuchel as well, don't yeah. they? Even though he seemed to he, to bottle that Man City game a bit, yeah. and he started to he started now after starting. Uh, very positively, started to leave Lukaku isolated, play more cautiously, I think. Yes. And they lost to Juventus that time. And they were struggling, actually, against Southampton, weren't they, until the VAR sent Ward-Prowse off. Yes. yes. And they reported that thing. It was a red car decision. Yeah, a red car. Should have come on and (laughs) taken him off. But they reported that thing he said about thinking Rhys James had been called up for the England water polo team, as though it actually worked as a joke. Yes, which it doesn't at all, does it? No. But it must be difficult, I think, for Solskjaer. Yeah, yeah. he's got the greatest manager in the club's history. Still comes to all the games, looking over his shoulder, bringing a range of facial expressions varying between sour bellyache when United aren't winning five nil and outright astonishment when they are. Yes, yes, it- and he has opinions still, doesn't yeah. he, on your team selections, yeah. which he's happy to discuss with. Khabib Nurmagomedov, a former UFC champion, on yes. his Instagram. Yeah. And do you think that was a mistake? Uh, that he thought UFC was some sort of United Football Club channel. <laughs> yes, he could, he was yes, yeah, yeah. I'm going to speak to UFC. <laughs> but he said, didn't he, that you should always start your best players. It's yes. a swipe at Solskjaer had left out left Ronaldo. Out Ronaldo. Left out and, 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 well. uh, and the other side of the Ronaldo story was it came out this week that uh, Gary Lineker said that um, Ed Woodward, who's the yes. chief executive at Manchester United... And the equaliser, of course. Uh, and yeah. the equaliser, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, that, that, that he bought uh, Ronaldo in Lineker's garden, yeah. which I thought was such a funny... Because you know sometimes you go out yeah. and you come home with something you hadn't meant to buy <laughs> and I can imagine him coming in and his wife going Ed what's what's that what, what have you got what there what have you done you are meant to go to Lineker's to buy two fence panels and borrow the strimmer what is <laughs> it's, a, it's Cristiano Ronaldo what do you mean you bought a tractor <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I love the idea. He was bought in Lineker's God. Like I, I he's like got other idea. players there as yeah, well. No, I like the idea that he's buying Ronaldo on the fact he's doing the most important <laughs> transaction of the transfer yeah, window, yeah. and Lineker's mouthing at him. Cup of tea, yeah, you yeah, tea, yes, you want a cup of tea, yes, yes. <laughs> sausage and chicken. Or... <laughs> and yes. Solskjaer didn't he told an interviewer after the game, me and him, meaning himself and Cristiano, yeah. no better than you journalists and experts. Which, yes, you know it may be true, but it makes you sound like a massive tool when you say it out. Loud, it is. It's a, it? it's a little bit feeble, isn't it? Yeah, and all the experts were surprised that Ronaldo was benched to manage his energy levels, particularly when he looks like he's been carved out of half a ton of raw stamina. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and he has been accused though a bit of playing walking football lately, hasn't he? Well, he uh, yeah, he gets tired though, doesn't he? Because he has to stand on a plinth outside of Old Trafford <laughs> all week long, and then and then some sometimes on the plinth in Madeira as well. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, what a brass neck that guy's got! <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's, I think it's interesting to consider, um, as we will now, in the context of managers as figureheads thing. Mm-hmm. The particular case of uh, Watford yeah, yeah, at yeah. the moment, because yeah. you know the sack race suddenly over, as if Cisco Munoz was shot by the starter's pistol. You yeah. know, the managerial merry-go-round barely got going before one of the gaudily painted wooden horses has attacked Cisco Munoz and kicked him into the guess your weight yeah. booth. I mean, the thing about Watford when they sack a coach, they like to be able to say 
farewell, we hardly knew you. Yes. Don't they? Yes. Because it's very hard but, for a manager to last, oh, I say a manager, but for a manager to last any period of time. Yes. There. But, but what's interesting, I think, about the media's response is that they're responding to a different sort of a setup. So yeah. this isn't a scandal. It, this is a philosophy yes. that Watford have. Yes. You know, and I have a few friends who are Watford fans and they say that they're just they're bored about every time they, they, they get this ignorant response when a, a head coach and bear in mind they use the phrase head coach mostly mm. or Watford rather than manager um, leaves that everyone goes oh no they should have been given more time well that's not the model that that's the Potso the family no, no. use you know and I'm speaking to uh, uh, my friend Ollie Wicken who does Hornet Heaven his, that's his yeah. podcast and Hello, he was saying you know it's difficult to get used to but this is the model that they have used at Udine and at Grenoble and and that is often used in, mm. in, in Italy and in fact is the model that Chelsea use it is to a slightly sort of slower extent I think I mean but they're dealing with I think at Chelsea they're dealing with trying to establish the figurehead thing the figure you know they're, they're, what they're looking for at Chelsea is uh, is someone with a with a personality with a that's going to be a figurehead for the club and what Watford are looking at are looking for basically is more and more is someone you've never heard of who's going to be like a charisma vacuum yeah. and you know the the Cisco Muniz has has had some terrific results uh, particularly in the promotion season last, well actually only in the promotion yes. season last season but this season he doesn't really work because you put his picture up, no one knows who the hell he is, and they're never going to they're never going to know him. Are you suggesting that they could actually have swapped him and nobody would have known? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they could have swapped him for let's see, uh, Giuseppe Sanino. Yeah. Uh, you know, Quique Sanchez Flores. These yep. are interchangeable people. Yeah, Marco yeah. Silva, Javi Gracia. Quique uh, Sanchez Flores again. Yes, you know. Oh, and Sean Dyche doesn't really fit into that. Well, no, Sean Dyche was there first, I think, the Pozzo's right. first. He just led Watford to their best finish for four years and then sacked, was knee broomed. Yeah. And the thing is, he went to Burnley and has been there ever since. And in the time he's been at Burnley, Watford have had like 13, 14 managerial yeah. changes and but, another one, you know, just now. But the, th- the thing that Watford do, and, and we talked about in Moneyball last, last, last week, I think. Yeah, yeah. The thing that they do is they are constantly searching for players to bring in and invest in in order to sell on, you know, yeah, and yeah. lots of them won't work. And then they'll have a Richarlison, you know, who they can sell on for an awful lot of money. And that's how it works. But apparently they, they have the same pattern for managers, for head coaches. Yeah. They're always looking. They've always got a shortlist. Mm. You know, it isn't something you go, oh, wait a minute, we'll have to have a think now. I mean, you notice that they had a bad game at Leeds and mm. everyone, oh, well, that's why he's lost his job. Well, no, he lost his job then because we've got the international break coming up. Um, you know, and Claudio Ranieri was actually sitting in reception. Yeah. Well, I think Ranieri is a, is a very interesting appointment for Watford because he seems to break the mould a little. You know, people have heard of him for a start. You yeah. know, and not only that, he's got a couple of really very high-profile lines on his CV. And you know, Munoz had only had like five months at Dynamo Tbilisi, and that was his only managerial uh, credit before he came, yeah. went to Watford. But Ranieri um, has a couple of uh, a couple of quite big lines on his CV. You know, the first manager sacked by Abramovich, for instance, yes. for the egregious sin of not having been appointed by him, and Chelsea was second. And then the miracle at Leicester, where he became a much-loved favourite with neutrals for the giving the players pizza if they won thing, yeah. and the saying dilly-ding-dilly-dong, which I see he hasn't been allowed to forget, <laughs> and because he looks like the Tracy brothers' grandfather in Thunderbirds. Yes. And he said he wanted his players to be hungry, 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 in the voice of the dog off of That's Life that said sausages. Yes, and also, right. is it, surely after hungry, hungry, hungry comes the word hippos, There's doesn't word it? Hippos, yeah. That's what I've always thought. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, there, there is <laughs> a slip up there. It's <laughs> yeah. But it's not, I think, the Leicester miracle that makes him Watford material. 
it's his track record since, isn't it? It's yeah. 12 games at Roma, 17 games at Fulham, a few months at Nantes, a couple of faintly disappointing mid-table finishes at, at Sampdoria. Yeah. He feels that's, dispensable that's, nowadays that's, and uh, and a figurehead at the same yeah. time. I mean, that, I mean he, he feels like 36 games from retirement. Yeah, and, and that, that list you've just given there, you know, that's not a career. That's the grand tour. <laughs> is what he's doing there. Yeah. The the other thing is actually, which is quite pertinent to what to what happening at Newcastle, because this is the way that they work. They know there's going to be a churn. They don't have these managers on incredibly long, incredibly expensive contracts. No, and, no. and Ashley said, "Well, yeah, whatever you think about Steve Bruce, we can't get rid of him because we can't afford to get rid of no, him." And, and you hear this time and time and time again. Well, and especially lower down the the lease because that's the trade off. Yeah, that, you know, if if you want, if say you're older and you want a, a man manager as experienced as Keith Curl yeah. and you can you know you can have him if you like but um, you know you need to give him two years or he's not going to consider it you yeah, know? Yeah, and yeah. then you can't get then you can't get shot of him so, but, you know. and, and the other thing that, that, that doesn't fit that new model is is the old idea that, the old idea that you have to give manager time you know and they'll always mm. quote Adrian Heath Skoll against Oxford for Everton which turned it for Howard yeah, Wilkinson or Mark Robbins or, or Mark Robbins scoring for Manchester United the same yeah, yeah. against Oldham Athletic well, currently yeah, and, but 91st I think, in the I think uh, it, he had a goal against Forrest in the third round that was the that was the real turning point for Ferguson I think yes Ferguson was under under pressure that over that Christmas yes and then in that January I think he scored in the third round he scored again in the semi-final replay yeah but um but, yeah. but the whole thing about that was if we can only if we can only give these managers more time then it will come right they'll mm. have time to sort out who they want in the squad well the other thing about that is it isn't up to the managers half the time who's in the squad no. I mean to a certain extent unless they're in tra- if, they, if they don't let them be in charge of recruitment yeah you know? yeah, yeah yeah I think that I, I enjoyed I must say uh, match of the day too playing out on uh, on the Saturday which I <laughs> which I don't usually I'm not usually still awake for but yeah. they played out with you know celebrity fan Elton John over a, a, a montage of Watford management uh, and the words, maybe you'll get a replacement. There's plenty right. like me to yeah, be found. found. <laughs> <laughs> Mongrels who ain't got a penny sniffing for tidbits like me on the ground. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which you've got to think Claudio Ranieri is going to balk at. A I know, but they must have been so pleased when they came oh, up with that. Yeah, and, you know, kudos to them. <laughs> now, the other, the other thing which we should cover is uh, Terry Butcher's uh, oh, okay. a contention that it's time to end heading. It's the end of heading in football. Well, for a few years now, the family of the of, of Jeff Astle have been campaigning, haven't yep. they, to raise awareness of the fact that footballers are far more likely to suffer from dementia uh, in later life as a result of repeated brain trauma caused by heading the ball. Yep. I mean, five times as likely as uh, you know, non-footballers of similar age. Yeah. And more and more old favourites have come forward, haven't they, with their diagnoses, sadly. I mean, including several members of the 1966 World Cup winning squad. Yep. Wilson, Styles, Peters, both the Charlton's, I think. Yep. And the game has seemed, finally, to have started you know, tentatively inching towards wondering what could be done yep. about this. And that last week there was this experimental match. Well, yeah. I mean, um, first of all, we both accept that this is, a, is clearly a, 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 an, an awful subject and a, a distressing that, subject. If there's something that can be done about it yeah that's then, great you know. so so what the, the idea is what will football look like isn't it with that head it is and, and you know you can you could make the argument that uh, that these old players um were playing under slightly different conditions yes, they were. yeah yeah 
that the ball was much heavier. And uh, I don't know about in the 16th century, but certainly before that, the ball was leather with laces and soaked up water and weighed a ton and and uh, would actually, you know, come close to knocking people out who tried to edit, yeah. you know. But um, as I say, last week there was this experimental match up at Spennymoor, between mm-hmm. Spennymoor and a Middlesbrough old, old boys, boys eleven, yeah. to see what football would look like, in theory, if heading the ball was reduced or actually eliminated altogether. And in the first half, they allowed heading, but only in the penalty area. And this meant that crosses from the wing were still part of the attack, defensive headers still vital, corners are still a threat if you do that. Mm-hmm. But it cut out the most dangerous headers, which I think are the the ones where the players are competing for a long kick upfield out, out of the keeper's hands yes. or from, a, from an unsophisticated clearance by someone else yeah. and these in this in this trial game these had to bounce or be brought down on the chest yeah. possibly before they could be challenged for and if someone inadvertently headed it it's a free kick it's like handball like handball free kick yeah, yeah, yeah. a headball free kick and then the red car comes on and takes someone on yeah, 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 deliberate yeah, headball you yeah. know. but uh, in the second half it was the same game same teams but they, there was no heading at all yeah and just to see what that looked like and see how that played. And the reports for that part of the match were less encouraging, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to bear in mind that some of the old boys were probably a bit tired by then. Yeah. But, you know, comments included, it was like walking football, or it was like a sort of incompetent tiki tacker, you know, yeah. which God knows is tedious enough when it's done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, but the other thing was, I think in the first part, you met, I don't know whether you did say this, but they were allowed to head it in the area. Yes, in the where, penalty area. In the penalty area, they, they were allowed to head it, which which in itself is a very interesting thing, because you're going to get this VAR thing, aren't Well, you? it's going to be a line where, call, isn't it? Yeah, and then, you're going to have hair. On the edge, the chin does the chin count does the ear count yeah, yeah. you're going to get all of that stuff and whether he whether the guy's headed it and his head's in the area but his feet are outside the area and there's so many times you know um that line call is ignored isn't it when the keeper throws it yes, is yeah, kicking yeah. out of his hands yeah, yeah. and he's come out of the area yeah. and his hands are beyond the line clearly yeah. but the other thing i mean the other thing clearly that could happen if they were properly designed is helmets well, there and are other sports, aren't there? Other sports where there where there's a risk of of uh, head trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many other sports really use the head though as part of the thing? But yeah. plenty protect the head with helmets. Cricket, you know, gridiron football in yeah, America, yeah. cycling, yeah. of course. Um, but rug- skiing, skiing, yeah. <laughs> rugby players though. You know, have to stick their heads into malls and scrums with that protection. I think neck injuries are more common problem in, yeah, yeah. in rugby. But there are, you know, how many other sports even use whether you know you could use some sort of protective headgear yeah. and still head the ball? Maybe that's another thing they could look but, at yeah. that would cushion the impact. But uh, the, the other thing is, you know, it's not completely unheard of. There's been plenty of players I know that have never used their head, yeah. and, and also players that never use their left foot as yeah. well. So you know, you can take different things out. There, there are life-threatening injuries. You know. Um, oh, all over the pitch uh, and all uh, over the body that are due that are due to uh, due to competing for headers. Yeah. You know, uh, Raúl Jiménez had that, which, which a doctor said he was lucky to survive. The yeah, co- yeah, head yeah, to head to head check. Yeah. yeah, which wasn't even you know com- competing for a no, header. Was a down low, and I think it, right? Ryan didn't Ryan Mason have a career-ending skull injury? I think, possibly, I think yeah, that's yeah. why he stopped playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I don't think it would make a lot of difference to um, to Oldham. I don't. I haven't seen anyone apart from my centre backs. I haven't seen anyone win a header all win season. Header all season. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, it's. It, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, it'd be interesting to see. I think the first the first half where where the, what they did at Spennymoor, where you were allowed to head in the penalty area, and yes. see whether that 
Well, that felt like. I mean, there was a trial game, wasn't there, years ago, I remember, for um, offside was only 30 yards from yeah, so another, the offside they'd, line, wasn't they'd it? Had another I think line. they actually did it in some cup competition in Scotland, possibly. Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they did. Yeah. I may have just dreamt that. I, don't. <laughs> I dream a lot of stuff. Do you dream about Scottish football a lot? I do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> More than I should. It's, yes, it's my, it's, it's my, <laughs> my filthy secret. <laughs> yeah, I often wake up shouting Stenhouse Muir. <laughs> <laughs> Kind beef. <laughs> anyway, we better uh, uh, draw a line under it there, and in a moment uh, we'll have our guest. Well, our guest today has an impeccable football education, working with legendary manager Jim Smith, ex-England boss Steve McLaren, and enjoying stints at Derby, Southampton, Sunderland, Stoke and Burton. Also involved with the Republic of Ireland, she and her family now stretch across the football nation and generations from Burton Albion to Manchester City. She's also witnessed me do a less than impressive impression of ex-England coach Steve Harrison, involving <laughs> a bucket, a boat and the River Seine. But that's best left alone. Welcome. Welcome to Helen Delat. Thank you. Hello, Helen, Helen, Helen. Hi. Now, I'm really looking forward to getting some insights into you know, how it works when virtually your whole family are involved in the game of football. But first of all, I want to know how you came into it, because football didn't come to you. You went to football, didn't you? Yeah, completely. Um, it was out of fluke, really. My mum has always been involved in sports. She was the England cricket physio. Oh, and right. when I decided that I was going to go down the sports therapy route when I came out I was just looking for some work experience really and started working sort of a proper job but then also was working at the cricket club as well and really enjoyed it got a job there sort of over the summer and was thoroughly enjoying it but then Derby County rang and said that they were looking for someone and so had they got anyone because obviously the cricket sort of finished over the summer and then so sort of you're working for, when, when, was it Derbyshire? Yeah, Derbyshire yeah, County yeah, right, Cricket okay, Club. So that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so I was yeah. working for Derbyshire County Cricket Club. Yeah. Derby County came in. I went on trial with, there was three of us actually, there was two men and me. And I went for a week and they went all went for a week. And I never heard anything. So to be honest, I thought yeah, yeah. Jim's going to pick. Because women in football back then was really quite unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was laying in the bath and then he rang me and he was like, do you want the job? And it started off with just going in part time, doing a bit, but then very quickly became full-time, travelling with the team and everything else. So were you, were you doing literally doing the running onto the pitch? or No, there was a, of, yeah. a man called Peter Melville that did that. He was the chartered physio. I was just a sports therapist. Okay. So it's like the sports massage, rehab. Okay. I mean, God, I used to teach step aerobics to the rehab boys, it, oh, just as a bit of a I joke, like, really. Who, I mean, uh, tell me, there must have been some incredibly uh, uh, clumsy players doing that, weren't there? There was some very clumsy players, but I tell you what, we had a lot of Italians back then, so there were some very, very good movers. Oh. Paolo Wanchot was one of the best movers of all. Well, he's not Italian, no, he's I know, from Costa Rica. I know, but then there's Arano, <laughs> Barano, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, you tell me about this, uh, was the skill set different? Coming from cricket, which I imagine was a lot of um, sort of shin splints and all that sort of stuff... And you're suddenly into football. Was it a very different sort of discipline? Um, it was really because back then with the cricket, it wasn't as professional. I mean, one of my first memories is it was the Benson and Hedges Cup. And obviously they're all in the dressing room and the Benson and Hedges sponsors come in through the fags. And it was just like <laughs> free for all. It was how many you could get at once. So it wasn't really very professional when you went to the football. And I think back then, Jim Smith and Steve McLaren, Steve McLaren especially, was incredibly head of the game with regards to the coaching side of it so we had like the pro zone we it was very very ahead of the game so we were okay, pro zone yeah that was the, um yeah. we were quite professional i would say in the, the medical department <laughs> 
So was was it uh, rehab that you were doing for injured players? Was yes, it, that was that was the yes. Sort of thing? It was rehab for the injured players, but then also obviously for the fit players, just the basic sports massage. If they'd had a game midweek, they would have. So you would, you would deal this. with all of the players, not yeah. just the injured players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was wondering whether there were more injury-prone players that you would, you would get to know a lot better. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. But to be honest, it tended to be the young lads as well because they hadn't got families to go home to. So they'd just come and see you more for a crack after the you know, training. Oh, okay. And we just sort of all... It was just it was a really, really, really family atmosphere back then. That's an interesting thing, actually, the idea of one of the family thing, but also of you having like another level of responsibility, which was 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 to help their mental health, I suppose, in a way. I I reckon back then it was more I think they came to me more as a therapy side because they could moan to me. And they knew it wouldn't go back to the manager, whereas in the physio room sometimes or maybe in the coaching rooms, it might, but it literally was like a safe haven. I had my own little room. They used to come in. They'd be all in there. It was. It was. Was it, it Helen's confessional? It was literally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, I've got a lot of stories. <laughs> well, look, this is the place no. to tell them. No. <laughs> right. So we, we need to move on, obviously. To um, so then you meet a, a young Cumbrian, yeah. um, Mr. Delap. Um, yeah, well, we Jim, Jim, Simon Mayo music. Yeah, we no, know. we don't. Yeah, we don't need the full R tune bit here. No. Well, Jim always said he was like, "Oh, whatever you do, don't like go and meet one of the players." Blah blah blah, because that'll just prove everybody wrong that I've hired a woman. Yeah, and then obviously Rory arrived, and you know, we didn't. It wasn't anything like that for a while, and then it was just one drunken night, unfortunately, and okay. then that was it. Okay, we won't go any further. <laughs> let's 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 move let's move on to a, to a to a situation where you've been together for some time, and I'm I'm interested. I'm just interested very much in the way that football impacts the whole family, because you know us as supporters, we might watch the players two hours of the week. They're probably with their teammates twenty hours a week. But when, and especially with your family, which we'll talk about later, which goes broader, when every single decision is both football and family, it must make it difficult. So you, let's, for instance, go to your, the Rory's first transfer to Southampton. Now, for a fan, you know, you just see Rory Delaps going from Derby to Southampton. But for you, I mean, when do you get the first inkling? How do you decide together? What are the, what are the problems that crop up? I've never really ever got involved with that. Okay. He has, I've trusted him. It's his decision because it's his footballing decision. And he kind of knows I'm the kind of person that will just be happy with as long as he's happy. Uh Um, Obviously, with Southampton, it was slightly different because he just signed a three-year contract at Derby. So it came completely out of the blue. We just arrived back from holiday, landed at Heathrow, driving up the motorway back home. Jim rang and was like, can you get back? I dropped him off literally back at Heathrow and he flew off pre-season. So it was... You know, a bit of a shock, but it was possibly one of the best decisions. And I think it really, because I don't think really Rory really wanted to go. I think it was Jim. Jim was just go. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. And he went and it was fantastic. And, you know, going down to the south coast, it is literally, you know, it's beautiful as well. So, But that's an interesting thing you say about, about Jim Smith saying to him, you know, this is going to be a good move for you, blah, blah. I'm, I'm sure that isn't always the case at clubs. I'm sure sometimes no, they want to hang on to No, he was a special man, though. Yeah, he yeah. really was a special man. And he, he genuinely, genuinely, I think, had our best interests at heart. He, he knew kind of what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Derby kind of ended up in a bit of a quandary afterwards. And 
it was just, it was just, and it was, it was the best move at the time. It sounds very nice that he should he be so sort of uh, so uh, um, solicitous of your of your well being. I mean, I've I've heard stories about uh, managers who who deliberately keep a distance from the players because they know they they have to treat them as a commodity at some point in their in their lives, and and it's nice that uh, that you had that relationship. Yeah. Was, he was. He really was. Well, but then maybe I worked with him, so it was maybe different. Yes, yeah, of course. I you were working know. with him as well. You had yeah. your yeah. own, own, own relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, by then, Jim, you know, Jim had been around the block a long yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you went to Southampton, had you any children? No. So the next move is Sunderland. Yeah. Is it not? Had you any children by then? Yes. Too. Yes. So, so therefore, that that's a different kind of a deal. Yeah, that was really weird. Right. Because okay. we were literally <laughs> January deadline day. Walking along the seafront with the dog and the two boys. Two boys were three and one at the time. I think we got a phone call at about four o'clock. I think Rory was on a plane to Sunderland at five o'clock and didn't come back. And, well, the funniest thing was, is obviously I just let him go off and he was staying in um, Seaham Hotel, I think it was called at the time. And it was my eldest birthday in February. So I said, right, well, go up, get yourself sorted and I'll come up for his birthday. And they'd never seen snow before. And we landed, got into (laughs) Sunderland and it was like, absolutely thick yeah, yeah. and they were like oh my god this is amazing like the kids were literally <laughs> after two days they went can we go home now <laughs> um it was but well, well, yes when you're three and one you, you're quite yeah. small the snow they loved seems it. very high yeah 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 <laughs> but to be honest that was very you know it was out of the blue but it was closer to his family it was suppose, you know a yeah, move just across that, the a66 yeah. i imagine yeah yeah, yeah. so but it, then it didn't last very long so no but just so one other thing on that on that whole thing. So you moved to Southampton, you've moved to Sunderland. Shortly we're going to talk about Stoke. But how have you found different clubs help you to integrate into, A, the, the local community and, two, into the community of the club itself? I presume they're all different, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, well, Southampton was, was quite interesting because obviously we didn't have the kids, so it was slightly different. But the captain at the time and his wife uh, Fran and Karen Bernali they took us out for dinner with a couple of the other players and wives and that was brilliant because it just meant that when you went on match day you weren't walking in not knowing anyone on that first day so that was great and it it, again it made you feel very welcome Um, when we went up to Sunderland I have to say there was nothing but it was in a bit of a funny time at Sunderland where he signed for Mick McCarthy and obviously on the pretext that he wasn't going to get sacked and then literally he was sacked um, quite soon afterwards yeah. and they were on a relegation season so it, I would say the atmosphere wasn't great up there the only thing I would say is that um, Roy Keane was the manager when we actually left and I have to say he was really good um, because there was a few things going on um, I'd actually ended up miscarrying um, when there was maybe a bit of a club move happening mm-hmm. up there and he was just like amazing right. I can remember Rory coming home saying he just said take your time do what you need to do mm-hmm. so you know, as regards to integrating into the team, I was a lot older than a lot of them then. A lot of the girls were a lot, lot younger. Yeah. Um, but also they were in a bit of a, a They were in a pickle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course that affects everybody, doesn't it? And that's yeah. part of the thing I'm interested in from a family point of view. You know, the kids are getting older. Yeah. Obviously, the things that happen in the games, the things that are happening around the club... If the kids are at school, for instance, nearby, then there must be pressures there. You know, things must be said. How do you deal with that? Must be very difficult. Well, we've just kind of let them just get on with it, really. I mean, we've been very, very lucky in the fact that we've we've always been in areas where 
So when Rory was at Stoke, when I'd say the kids would remember him playing, because I don't think they would remember him playing at Southampton or Sunderland. Um, And we went and we, you know, they were in a very small village primary school, 10 in the class. Um, So I don't really think they weren't really. It wasn't like he was anything special. Mm -hmm. You know, they were with most of them were farmers or, you know, just sort of regular guys. Didn't really know anything to do with football, really. So it was handy. Okay, so, so moving on from that, we're talking about the kids. What about you as a uh, as a spectator? I mean, I'm going to talk about your your boys in a moment and your girl. But um, in terms of watching a game, and I'm not saying that Rory ever did get any abuse, but if you hear stuff, and you must hear, and maybe not even at the game, maybe you're out having dinner and some drunken idiot comes up and says something. I don't know whether that's ever happened to you, but that must be difficult, and especially if the kids are there. I'm normally the drunken idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And you're normally the one slugging Rory off, no doubt. No, um, I have to say, um, I can remember Tottenham away um, when he was at Southampton and I was with his aunt and just one guy just wouldn't give it, he just wouldn't, and he wasn't constructive and it was just, and he just wouldn't shut up. And I was sitting there like holding my seat and I was thinking, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, but in the end his aunt turned around before me and she is Irish, as you can imagine, and gave hell for leather. So I thought, well, well, I don't need to say anything now. It's all been said. Um, and then the only other time that I remember, well, two times actually, when I was with the kids, Rory got sent off against Man City. I remember Stoke, it very well. And there was a lot of unrest in the cloud and Liam, my eldest, burst into tears. So I had to just take him away back into the room. And then the cup final, you know, the FA Cup final. Yeah. And that whole day, I don't know whether you remember and whether you even went, but they took photos. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> they took photos of everybody at every minute in the ground. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you put your seat number in, you go. So afterwards the kids were like dead excited, put the seat number. Just so happened that the minute that was on the eldest seat was the minute that City scored. So he's there crying his eyes out. So it's the only two times really I've been affected in the crowd. Other than that, I am quiet. I do keep quiet. Yeah, yeah. Just just to sort of combine the two things. And by the way, have you been a physio since i mean other than for friends and things like that have you have you had a full-time job at any other sports yeah, clubs and not at the, so not at the sports clubs i've worked in david lloyd health center oh, right, okay and i've now got a couple of athletes who well one who's incredibly you know she's just rep- represented gb um and i'm really enjoying that because i do enjoy the sports side of it yeah, yeah, um, yeah but obviously with having the kids and moving about i've just done bits and bobs self-employed here there and yeah yeah, i'm still working but so let's um, if you don't mind i want to talk about injuries because injuries are from what i understand it's always a strange thing because a player gets injured and they're in the first team they can't really be around the team um all that much there's a there's a kind of a sense of um oh god this could happen to me and and they go and do, do their rehab and all that but for you i mean i know that Rory, of course, was on loan at Stoke from Sunderland. Stoke played Sunderland Mm. and he got a really bad leg break. Now, suddenly that puts your whole future income, as far as you know, at threat. It puts him in a difficult position. Um, You know a little bit about what's going on. You know a lot about Mm. what's going on. So so how does that feel at home? How does that affect the atmosphere at home? I mean, you're going to talk for yourself, but how did that feel at the time? Well, that actual day, I'd actually come down because I was staying with my mum and so I decided to go to the game. So I was a little bit late to the game and then I sat and and I could hear, I heard the break. And it was obviously early doors. So I went down and um, was with my brother 
went down and Winnie in the kit room, I just looked at it and where I saw it, it was so low down, I was thinking, you know, because he was 30. I was thinking, he's, this is going to be, you know, hard to come back from. But I knew his mentality. So I was thinking, well, he's got me. He's got. But from that minute, we ne- never ended up going back to Durham. So I hadn't intended to move down immediately because, um, obviously, because of schooling for the yeah, kids yeah, and yeah, preschool. Yeah. So I was just going to wait anyway. So it was just a case of moving with my mum, actually, for the first couple of weeks because he had an op, couldn't do anything, drive. But then we ended up renting somewhere um, very close to Stoke for the fact that the physio lived on the same estate and he could take him in to and from work every day for the fact that I was pregnant with the third and I had three and a one-year-old. So, um, but yeah, that was, it was a tough time that, but I have to say, Rory's really, um, he doesn't really bring work home. Doesn't he? No, he's really good at, don't get me wrong, like if he's had a bad day or a thing, he might stew for a little bit, but once he's home and he's with his family, it's all forgotten and maybe that's because we don't allow him to. I just have always just got on with things and not dwelled on it and not overthought about the money because we will be all right. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in whatever happens, happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that break was weirdly probably one of the best things because obviously Stoke stuck by him and hopefully, you know, people realise he repaid them with yeah, absolutely. years of service. And, and, and it's strange because you, you mentioned the thing about Jim Smith being very, sorry, being very, um, very supportive of you at, at Derby moving to Southampton. Yeah. Of course, that was quite a big thing that happened at Stoke because he was on loan, yeah. possibly going to be moving. Yeah. And Stoke said, right, he's broken his leg, but we'll still have him yeah. and we'll cover it. Yeah. Now, that, that must have, that must help warm your heart towards a club when they well, it weirdly you were talking about obviously um when we came to stoke stoke is the only team where we came before watched the game met the manager tony and he i can remember him sitting down and i was there and it's the first manager i've met when the transfer dealing was going on he said if you're happy i'm happy but if you're not happy he's not going to be happy mm-hmm. and i just remember thinking then this club is got your best interests at heart you mm-hmm. know and they really did stick by him they re- they were phenomenal i couldn't speak highly enough of the the owners and anything at that time in stoke mm-hmm. it, it's you know and great obviously great. still there so yeah i just wondered from a uh, from a point of view of being a physio at a football club i mean there are injuries aren't there once that would have ended a career that can now just be fixed can't they there are certain yeah, sort of phenomenal cruciate now. ligament yeah. injuries for yeah. instance, that used to end a player's career didn't they yeah and there was there there's was, amazing things they can do now there was times at derby where there was a couple of academy boys who done the crew shirts and things like that and you think back now and you think god they're not playing they never made it mm. you know whereas now a crew shirt is, is it is ten a penny like you know the surgeons now that everything is so much more advanced that i think anything you would think you got a shot of of playing again, really, yeah, no yeah, matter yeah. what injury. And you, you can got. be out for for six months, but you do come, you do come back as as strong as as before yeah. with 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 injuries that would have ended a career. I well, I was uh, when I was very young. I was actually in a in the church choir with <laughs> a, a lad who went on to be a pro footballer called yeah. Danny Thomas, who right. played for Coventry and Spurs and England, didn't and England a couple of times. Yeah, and uh, he had a really bad knee injury where I think it was at QPR when he was oh. playing for Spurs, and a player went into the side of his knee and he was down for a long time and that was the end of him and he actually became a physio Danny I think at West Brom 
Um, but that injury, you think now, you know, obviously he's, he's as old as I am. But you think now for kids today, that injury, he'd be out for six months, but he'd be back. He'd have yeah. a career still. I think some, I think the only thing I will say is with the, the big injuries is sometimes it's harder for the player to come back mentally mm-hmm. because they're always worried that it might that something like happen, that might again. happen again. And yeah. I think it takes time and I think you've got to have that strong mentality. I mean, I, I wouldn't know. Obviously, from a manager's point of view or a player's point of view, that side. But I would say certainly I've seen people after injuries where they're just missing that edge that they had. A little bit of pace, maybe, or something like that. It's almost like that. Fear. But it's also that nastiness. You know, maybe if you're going in for a tackle. Recklessness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, And I think that is... So I would say when you're coming back from an injury, I would say that the actual psychology of it is yeah. just as important as the rehab yeah, nowadays. I mean, they, they often use the phrase, don't they, not ready yet. And you're never quite sure as a fan what that means. Are they, are they, are they um, physically not ready? Are they mentally not ready? Are, are they not giving the stats that you want yeah. from the, you know, well, the blood as a physio as well, you have to deal with the whole person as well, don't you? Yeah. You have to, you have to bring, yeah. bring the whole But you can along. do it all in training, <laughs> but it's that game, no matter what sport it is, it's that game day. And you will never, ever emulate that until you've got through probably five, ten matches, I would say, after mm-hmm. a serious injury, until, you, until yeah, yeah. you actually think, hang on a minute, I'm OK. Yeah, and you wonder sometimes if managers have five games to give yeah, somebody. No, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. also, you see, you say these days they might use the reserves or they might use the youth to get the... But it, it isn't the same. No, no. In my opinion, it isn't the same. No. Well, well, you have to worry, don't you, about that young lad at Liverpool who had that bad injury, didn't he? Just, oh, Harvey, Harvey Elliott. Elliot. Yes. Yeah. And he'd only just broken in, hadn't he? Only oh, just broken through. Such and you, a phenomenal and, player as well. Yes. You wonder I've whether... seen him, you know, he's played with my eldest in England and I've seen him first-hand oh, play and well, he's... He will come, you know. Liverpool, I think, have got one of the best medical teams. Yeah, sure, yeah. Well, on the, you you just talked about young players getting injured, and you were talking about how different clubs um, welcome you in different ways, and are, you know, are more um, more pleasing in environments to be in. Now, of course, you have two boys now yeah. playing or, or, or on the books of clubs. Yeah. So you've got Finn, haven't you, at yeah. Burton, yeah. and you've got Liam at Manchester City now. And, uh, Chris and I were talking about this before, you know, because obviously as parents, you think about that and you think about but you have more knowledge of the game. That might be a worse thing. That might make you think, I don't want to let my... Well, no, you might think he's going to get a big disappointment if it goes wrong. Do, do I want to put him in that position? So you've got two in that, in, that, in that position. And so I'm interested in that, but also in, in some ways, your influence on the club they go to is slightly bigger because they're younger. And how, how do you assess where's a good place for them to go? Well, oh, like I, I have to say, I, I really didn't push them into it because I've have, like you say, seen firsthand, and it's tough. It's tough, and and not many make it, you no. know. But we were always under the impression that they would go to the local club. So wherever we were at that time, they would go to the local club, and then if something happened longer down the line, then obviously they were old enough then to have, an, you know. And so Liam and Finn both started at Derby, which was the local club, and they went. They were both scouted on just like the uh, Sunday League, you know, the, the the race course and asked to go and train and they both spent from the under nines to the under 16s at Derby. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam obviously was then asked um, by, I think there was a few clubs 
obviously we subsequently learnt afterwards, but if you like interested, but unless there's a bid accepted, you don't really hear about it. He didn't have an agent. Right? His agent was his dad. So it, we did, they, the club don't have a, a right to tell you if you haven't got an agent, if you're that age. Oh, is that right? So we just, you know, and it, we weren't that bothered. Um, so then obviously we found out that um, a bid had been accepted by City and we sort of just said to Liam, what do you want to do? But obviously you sort of say, really, you've got to go and speak to them because if a bid's been accepted, you know that. Yeah, yeah. So we took him up there, but he just couldn't. Couldn't make up his mind, but we weren't going to make his mind up for him. I think you know part of him really wanted to stay at Derby. That was his sort of dream to stay, get into the first team to break into it. Um, so how old was he when he went to 16, sixteen? Yeah, and it was literally just after his GCSEs. The bid was accepted, and so he finished his GCSEs. We had a week together as a family on holiday, and then he went and moved into Digs. Um, so it was all wow, quite, quite quick. I cried for about oh, three months. I feel like crying now. <laughs> I literally walked past his bedroom every single day. I go, oh, I can't go. He's not there. But um, I knew he was in good hands. And I have to say, you know, we did toy at the time of moving up. Rory was very keen to move up. And so that he had that 16 to 18 still with us. and still, yeah. But we had other children. And I just, we looked and we gave them the decision. And one was like, I don't want to do it. One was, I do want to do it. And then they kept swapping and... The daughter was like, well, I'll come if we can take the cat and the dog. And I, I was just like, it was all getting very... So in the well, end... It's an opportunity to get rid of the cat I know, and the dog, I isn't know. it? In the end, we just said, we'll give him till Christmas if he's really homesick, if he was struggling, yeah. then we'd, we'd think about it. But actually, he was thriving mm-hmm. and he loved it. And we were still seeing him. He was coming home every single weekend, yeah, you know, okay. so... It was great. I, I like the idea that uh, Manchester City have put in a bid for Liam Delap, a cat and a dog. dog. <laughs> to move. <laughs> Two dogs. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I, my experience with my my son, my sons uh, only play football, school football, you know. And I I, I was interested that, that Nick was telling me that um, once a young player uh, signs for a club at maybe fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, that they don't they don't play that school football anymore. They don't they get taken out of that atmosphere and put in another. Um, but my experience all, uh, with my sons was going to school games, you know, and uh, and angry dads. And, yeah. you know, um, I always used to make a point of uh, of going on the pitch and thanking the referee for his time, you know, just because no one else was doing it. Well, it was know? always me, obviously, because Rory was obviously, all, whenever the matches were, Rory yeah. was playing or coaching. Yeah. So it, I was just stood alongside a lot of angry dads as an angry mum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, we always made sure that he played his school matches, actually. That was one of the conditions. Yeah. So he continued to play for right. school. Right, so right. Liam did. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. that's great. Yeah. So, he, I mean, I think that's always the thing. You stop playing with your friends. Do you stop enjoying the game? But I suppose that's the, in the nature of the way becoming a professional works. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I think we just sort of said that that is school, a bit like the, the academic side, the school was first and actually... You know, if that was suffering, then he wouldn't be playing. So he played all his school matches up until he left. And in fact, his last ever school match, he fell down a rabbit hole and did his ankle just before the League Cup final. (laughs) So he missed it because he was in a boot for Derby. But I thought you were going to say he fell down a rabbit hole and met met the ankle. Yeah. (laughs) So, but but you know, he didn't miss out on anything like that. Okay. Um, Did you did you ever get because of course Rory was. Uh, coaching at Derby when the 
boys were there, yeah. wasn't he? I mean, did you ever get, because parents are, obviously they always think their kids are the best. Did you ever get any of that sort of snidey, this is nepotism, they wouldn't be in the team, either Finn or, or, or Liam would be in the teams if it wasn't for the fact that they, or did, did, did they just not dare say it to you? I'm sure they did behind my back. Yeah. I'm absolutely convinced. <laughs> but no, um, I think, I, I don't know, because no one ever said it to my face. No. Um, I'm sure there was a bit of that, but Rory was always very keen and would never want to sort of get in the way. So he always stayed well out of the boys' yeah. um, coaching roles. You know, luckily it wasn't the same age groups and stuff, but he didn't, he was quite conscious that he didn't want that. Um, but certainly didn't to my face, but I'm sure there was a lot of back stuff. <laughs> well, hopefully you have, you'll have uh, many more years of being attached to uh, football in one way or another yeah. <laughs> with uh, Liam and with Finn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the final thing, just obviously I've seen recently that uh, first of all, I wanted to ask you about Liam's first senior goal because I text mm. you straight after he I scored, know. if I remember. Well, I was on my own in the kitchen and I was watching it on my iPad. And then, of course, because it was a bit of a lag, everyone kept ringing me. <laughs> and so I actually missed it because yeah. they're all ringing me because they'd watched it. And obviously, yeah, but yeah, that was fab. Yeah, I mean, and it was the same for Nick last night because there, there was a rerun of Celebrity Antiques Roadshow. There was. Yeah. And, and, and uh, just one other thing very quickly before we finish is, is uh, I recently read, and of course, I, these things are said all the time, uh, something linking him with Borussia Dortmund and £17 million. Pounds. And I mean, do you, do you just have to treat that as complete uh, nonsense? No idea. Yeah. Like literally, would we? Would you, I think you're always the last to know in football, to be honest. But we haven't got a clue. But it's, more importantly for him and for Finn, as long as they're enjoying it and as long as they're fit and healthy, I'm not bothered. Yeah, and Neve's the best of the three of them. Oh, anyway, yeah. She? <laughs> yeah, joyful girls and hormones. Yeah. And final question: Did Liam and Finn actually support a particular team? I think they always supported the dad, but. Liam was actually asked this question the other day while I was with him and he actually did say Stoke. And um, that's the end of the interview. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Helen, thank you so much. That thank was really, much. really interesting no stuff. So thank you very much to Helen Delat. That was great fun. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. Great big owl. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.